the nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness is getting another chance. And it's more than that. Forgiveness is getting another chance again and again and again. And not from specific people, although forgiveness offered or received from another person is one of the most human things we can do. But forgiveness woven into the fabric of reality itself. If you look back on your life, how many times could things have gone much, much differently? How many times were your worst fears, the things that you were terrified of, the things that kept you up late at night for days or weeks or maybe even months, it just didn't happen. And if you honestly look back at all the terrible things that could have happened but didn't, how much of it do you think you deserved as your actual karmic comeuppance for previous slights? Forgiveness woven into the nature of reality is the fact that we always get second chances. And eventually they run out, or at least our lives run out. But if we are to believe scripture, it doesn't even end there. An Old Testament God, who many believe they're seeing right now, did not forgive. The Old Testament God laid waste to entire cities, entire civilizations, ruthlessly, brutally, 
at the drop of a hat, like some celestial Joseph Stalin. There was no forgiveness. There was no mercy. Now, or after the New Testament, if you believe that, after the incarnation of the story, the man, the energy, the force, Christ, whatever he actually is or was, things have changed. And it's not just that there is an ideal that people have had to live up to. I personally feel that the incarnation of Christ in the world was, in a sense, the invention of the human being. There was a famous literary scholar named Harold Bloom who wrote a book about Shakespeare uh, where he proposed that Shakespeare in his plays essentially invented the dramatic inner world of human beings. And, and more than that, invented the uh, kind of the, comp the complex idea of an individual separate from, you know, God or the state as a tumultuous storm of emotions and desires and tragic and comic deeds. I would say that perhaps Shakespeare did invent the human being, the individual, the disease. The disease of the individual that began with Protestantism, perhaps, in Western culture, and progressed from there. But Christ brought us, rather than invented, the humane being the very nature of what it is to be humane rather than the bloodthirsty, edible intrigues of Hamlet or the despondent, wailing howl into the abyss of King Lear. These are beautiful plays. Probably next to the King James Bible, the greatest use of the English language that ever has or probably ever will be. But Shakespeare showed us human beings at their worst. Human beings that are willing to cut throats for money or simply for petty interfamilial rivalry. What is it to be humane? To be humane is to forgive. But it is more than to forgive because that would uh, assume much too much. To assume that forgiveness begins with you assumes that you matter. And in the grand scheme of things, we are just droplets in a never-ending sea. And when that droplet is gone, it will be as if nothing ever was. It will just be fade back into the great ocean, which is tragic and utterly merciful. To be humane, to forgive, is to understand that one is dwelling within the nature of forgiveness. It is to understand that reality itself appears to consistently reset, almost like a video game. And that at the 11th hour, things seem to at least go back to a standard status quo. And perhaps somebody upstairs asks, well, what have you learned? And some of us learn a little bit. Most of us don't. And almost all of us usually forget what we've learned. And then it must be done again. Then the crisis appears again to teach us again and again. As our filth accumulates, you know deep down how diseased this civilization is and has been. You know. You know it couldn't continue. There's just no way through that brick wall of the absolute devastation and deprecation of every level of the natural world and more than that of the human soul and what it means to be humane itself because Christ has long since left the building, leaving only the system of Antichrist. 
And you know what I mean by that. It's all around you. For now. To forgive is to understand that reality itself, God, if you want to call it God, whatever you want to call it, that forgiveness is woven into the very nature of things. Every night when you go to sleep, things are forgotten and you wake up with a fresh chance, refreshed, and things don't seem quite so bad, do they? It's just like the sun going up and going down in an endless cycle. To forgive is to understand that you can never, ever, possibly repay the debt of your own forgiveness, of the forgiveness for your own transgressions. It is not humanly possible. There is nobody alive that does not bear the weight of almost incalculable karmic accrual and corruption. Some of us more than others. And I'm no saint. To understand the nature of forgiveness is to understand that even so, the nature of reality is to forgive. And all that is asked of us if you follow the New Testament, all that is asked of us is to at least forgive each other as we have been forgiven, right? Because we can't, it's not in our power to forgive ourselves or others. It is done from the divine. But all that is asked of us is at least recognize it, at least forgive other people, even in passing. Just don't be a dick. Don't be vengeful. Just honor it. Try not to add to the burden. There's a, uh, obviously one of the most well-known stories in the Bible is the story of Abraham, the founding patriarch of all three major monotheistic religions, who is often harped upon by the fedora-wearing atheist set who don't seem much in fashion anymore. But, uh, you know, the standard uh, atheist redditor who will point to certain stories in the Bible and say, well, look how awful this is. I mean, what kind of, you know, like this is absurd. That just, it doesn't make any logical sense. What kind of God could do something like this? And I understand completely. There's one thing they're missing, however, which is context, narrative tension. Reading these things is much different if you understand dramatic arcs and, and uh, if you read it from a literary viewpoint, instead of a literal viewpoint, which is my own personal bias, uh, and if you read it as a profound work of literature that is um, communicating the core truths of what it is to be a humane being, as my just past mentor Genesis often put it, a humane being, there aren't many of them, there are lots of humans although even that's arguable at times, but to be a humane being is a feat. It takes work, it takes conscious effort, and it takes time, and it takes suffering. Suffering means getting it wrong a lot, making a lot of mistakes, screwing up a lot. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God comes from screwing up because when you screw up, A, you understand what not to do, B, you understand where the walls of reality are, and C, you begin to have compassion for our imperfect human race and all of the people around you who are constantly screwing up, as we all do every day. Abraham is commanded by God to sacrifice his son on top of Mount Moriah, and he beats his brow and says, this cannot possibly be what is asked of me. And of course, his wife is not particularly pleased with this idea. But finally, in contravention of her, in total unwavering faith in God, he says, well, if this is what is commanded of me, then I will do it. So he goes all the way up Mount Moriah with his son, who he can't bring to tell what he's going to do. 
puts him on a slab and with tears in his eyes prepares to do the act. At which point, an angel appears and says, lol, JK, that was, we were totally trolling you. You don't actually have to do that. Chill out. Now, this is an unbearably cruel act of hazing on its surface uh, and and an unbelievably uh, um, abusive test of, um, you know, it's again, a Stalin-esque move, dick move. And this is the primary thing that is harped upon by the Fedora set as, well, what kind of loving God would do something like this? Well, what kind of loving God would do something like this? Or something like laying waste to the entire planet with coronavirus? Well, let's, let's take a look. Mount Moriah, it turns out, is important later on in the Bible. But before I tell you how, let's consider what is being communicated there. The primary thing that's being communicating is communicated is no human sacrifice, period. No human sacrifice. And you have to remember the context of the ancient world. Human sacrifice was practiced in almost every or probably every religion. Human sacrifice was, of course, the nature. I mean, you can still see, I mean, humans, you you know, well, human sacrifice is probably still practiced in certain places, but certainly animal sacrifice is practiced all over the world. There's lots of places you can see it. It goes back to humanity's original religious roots. The very first religions, the ones that were the most shamanistic, the ones that were the most animistic, saw that energy was embodied in living forms. And they looked at life transactionally. This is the key. They saw if they want energy moved somewhere, they need to take it out of somewhere else. This is a a misperception, right? And uh, those who still practice this can see how bad the results are because they just end up shuffling around misery and it all comes rebounding on them in the end. The angel says, no sacrifice, specifically no human sacrifice. Imagine if that hadn't happened and we were still behaving like the Aztecs or the kingdom of Dahomey or Sumeria, right? Or even probably Babylon and Canaan. That's not humane. It's certainly far, far, far cry from forgiveness. Humanity was primitive and humanity has slowly, bit by bit, shock by shock, been evolved. No sacrifice. Now, that's a major upgrade. I remember one time about seven years ago, I was sitting in a separate sensory deprivation tank and seven or eight years ago. And I suddenly had an experience where I at least appeared to project an astral project into or find myself in or have a vision of or just mentally construct an image of whatever you want to call it. uh, Ancient Sumeria. Prior to all of this. And it was terrifying. What I saw was a kind of I hate to use the word Lovecraftian because it's, it's, we we don't want to bring up cliches, but it was a world of no compassion and no love, Uh, a world where human sacrifice, where human sacrifice was openly practiced. And if you read the academic works on the Sumerians, you see that the Sumerian view of humans is that they were merely slaves to serve the gods, like some type of, um, you know, ancient version of the movie Prometheus. A world without love, without compassion. Terrifying. Lots of magic and sorcery, but not the kind you want. Transactional. And that's when I began to really understand what the incarnation of Christ actually meant. The incarnation of Christ It was like a puncture into this universe. And the humaneness was inserted. It was the dawning of the ability to be humane, the 
idea of love of other beings instead of possessing them or using them as cattle or transactionally, something that has been very quickly forgotten in our modern world by many people. So Mount Moriah, the mountain that Abraham took his son up, turns out to be the mountain that Christ was crucified on a few thousand years later. Now that's what we call a for that's what we call foreshadowing, a literary arc. So, Christ is sacrificed for the sins of humanity, and the message is simple. We gave you ten commandments; they were real simple, and apparently you just couldn't handle it. So, tell you what, let's make this even simpler. The new commandment is just this: love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. What does that mean? That means understand that other beings are the same as you, and more than that, that you share field consciousness. We are, in a sense, all the same being. Love your neighbor as yourself doesn't mean, oh, be nice to, uh, be nice to the Flanders down the road. It means they are you. Other people are you, reflected across Indra's net. We are all each other. We are all dependently arising, as the Buddhists say. We are all one field consciousness, at least at the level of breath, at the level of Atman. We are one. So love your neighbor as yourself doesn't and it doesn't just mean that they are you it means love yourself you can love yourself through the lens of other people because they are you humaneness so christ is sacrificed on mount moriah and the message is the debt has been paid think of this in evolutionary terms of religion from human sacrifice to animal sacrifice to Christ specifically says no blood sacrifice, period. Christ also says cut it out with the damn elaborate rituals. Cut it out with the religious rules lawyering. He says stop using this to prop yourself up. Stop turning this into a game. Humble yourself. The best prayer is simple and direct from the heart and not particularly wordy, Christ says. Just be connected with the force of God. Just be in connection. Be in the flow, honestly and truthfully. And in my life, I'll tell you, the only way I've ever gotten to that is through suffering. I'm not saying suffering is essential, or I'm not saying that suffering should be sought out. Certainly not. That would also be a misread. What I am saying is that I've been to the top of the world, and I've been to the very gutters of it. And I've been a man of means and infinite social potential, and then I've been a man with nothing, unable to get out of bed, and thankful only for every breath as i still am thankful and god is what matters truth is what matters remember love is what matters love manifested through the people around you if you want to find god look for where love is it's that simple don't overcomplicate it look for where love is simple so what is said by this act, this symbolic act, the, the sacrifice of Christ? Now think about it in terms of the narrative arc from Abraham on a divine timeline, if you're thinking in thousands of years, from Abraham to Christ. What is said with these two acts? God says, not only do you not need to sacrifice your son, but I will sacrifice mine for you. I require nothing. And I give everything. And feel that. 
I not only require you not to sacrifice your son or anything for that matter, other than the true sacrifice of your false ego, I require no sacrifice. And in addition to that, I sacrifice my son for you. The debt is paid. Forgiveness exists. And how do we know? Because we get another chance again and again and again. Even now, when humanity is at its utter nadir of degradation in many ways, certainly the Middle Ages were bad, but the entire biosphere was not in danger of collapsing. Humanity's never had it easy, but we've never had this big of a potential to screw everything up forever. But even now, were this the Old Testament, the world would have been laid waste far beyond what we are seeing. As I'm recording this, they're talking about digging mass graves in the parks in New York. Well, even in the book of Revelations, when the four horsemen of the apocalypse sweep across the globe, annihilating most of the population, even then, go read it, even then, there is chance after chance after chance. There is forgiveness after forgiveness after forgiveness. And read the text. These things go on. All the things we're seeing now, by the way, I'm not going to be the uh, guy waving the sign, but rivers of blood, check. Have you seen industrial runoff in China recently? Plagues, check. Locusts, check. Google New Google News search locusts. In the book of Revelation, the pit of Abaddon and Apollyon is opened up and grievous angels with the bodies of scorpions and the faces of men fly out across the world from the abyss of Hades, the abyss of hell, to lay waste to the population. That always made me think of drones. But the beauty of a symbol is it can mean anything. But even then, all of this is done largely just to remind people and shake them, hey, have you thought about what really matters recently? Have you thought about your connection with the divine, with the universe, with God, whatever you want to call it, and through whatever religious lens or non-religious lens? Don't fucking overcomplicate it. I know I'm using Christian terminology uh, and, and stories, but don't overcomplicate it. Look for love. Be simple. Have you thought about what matters recently? How many movies have you seen, by the way, where some asshole lawyer in a big city or something like that, probably played by Tom Cruise or Robert Downey Jr. or, you know, who knows, Judd Reinhold in, in the 80s. How many movies have we seen like that where somebody who thinks they're a big fucking deal gets knocked down by life? Uh, you know, they get a costly divorce, they lose their job or, you know, whatever, and they lose everything and they end up having to move back home with their parents and they're totally ashamed of themselves and they've lost lost everything, but through the course of events and, you know, one thing after another, interactions with small town folk, or um, maybe they get a dog or an eight-year-old sidekick or something like that, uh, you know, um, after many interactions like that, they come to realize that family and love and the small things in life are what matters. Well, guess what? This is you right now. It's our whole world right now. Our whole world has been put on pause and has been given perhaps the greatest chance yet to reflect, to think, and to reorient to what is true, to what is right, and to what is good. And you know what the thing about those three things are? They never change. It doesn't matter how chaotic the world is. It doesn't matter how crazy things are. It doesn't matter if every single bit of the global infrastructure collapses that you've depended on your entire life, which could happen next Tuesday, even if all that happens and the world turns into IRL Call of Duty, all that stuff will still be true and unchanging, exactly like it always has been. That's the thing. The truth is quiet. 
but it's always there, like background radiation or a background hum, like a background hum that you just tune out. And how many times every day do you momentarily become aware of it and just think, oh yeah, well, I'll get to that. Yeah, no, I'll clean, you know, I'll be, I'll be better later. I'll clean up my act later. Uh, oh no, that's there. And because you know that it's always there and that it doesn't change and that there is a forgiving nature to the universe, how often really ask yourself, do you kind of uh, take that a little bit for granted, perhaps even rely on it and say, well, I know this to be true, so I'll, I'll get it right later on my deathbed next Tuesday, maybe suddenly things get uh, a little escalated. Well, now's the time to get the message. Tune in to the frequency of truth. And the frequency is silence, which you have a lot of right now and a lot of time. This media is not doing you any good. So what can I say other than that? I can only say what I know to be true. Right now, beyond that, I have no clue, just like everyone else. Other than a few other extra things. What I definitely know is that you need to be thinking two, three, ten steps ahead. Right now, everyone is reacting. They are going into panic mode. They are afraid. And scared people do dumb things. They make bad decisions. I learned that very well in the 2008 crash and, and, and many other times as well. If you look back on your life and you think about all the times that you've made really bad decisions, I guarantee you, you were either inebriated, sleep deprived, or over anxious and tense, uh, or maybe all three uh, in real bad situations. Everyone's scared. They're getting constant fear stimulus from the media. Um, they're not thinking about hopeful outcomes. They're thinking about something's going to eat them. Okay. Well, to get through this, as we all will, here's what you need to do. You need to get your soul right. Get your soul right. You have time. You have quiet. The whole world is shut down. Sit and think and be rooted in faith, because faith can not only move mountains, it can turn you into an immovable mountain. While everyone else runs around um, terrified that all the girders that held these illusory systems in place crumble, and in many cases I say good riddance, although we will have to live with the consequences, so we shouldn't be too gleeful, um, but you know civilization could not continue at in the way that it has been without killing everything. So uh, this may be indeed a Hail Mary pass to continue our Christian religious theme here. But while everyone else is running around in fear, just be rooted in faith. What is faith? Faith is the understanding that the universe is positive, that it loves you, and that as long as you stay close to what is truth, to what is true, to what is filled with love, all is full of love, as, as Our Lady Bjork so perfectly put it. If you stay close to the frequency of truth, you will be just fine, because the frequency of truth is always the eye of the storm. So be rooted in what is right, and don't wait. This is it. This is it, right? For all intents and purposes, this is the end of the world. And if the world ends and a new one begins, even in two weeks or 18 months or 10 years, however long it takes, one world is ending. Make no mistake. And a new one is also being born. Make no mistake about that either. So let it go. Be rooted in faith and orient, your, orient yourself towards the world to come. Because a new world is being born right now. And you need to be thinking way out into the future. You need to be thinking about who you're going to be in that world, who you want to be, 
What is your true purpose in life? What is your true will? What have I been teaching everyone this entire time? To be rooted within your true will. Your true will is your divine mandate from the universe. And if you stay rooted in that, nothing can touch you. Even if they kill you, they can't truly kill you. You understand? Even if they even if they use violence to annihilate your body, they can't take truth away from you. They can't take your dignity away from you either. Nobody can take that. Unless you give it away, as so many people have or bartered it away for tokens within this sick city civilization, to quote another individual. So, get your soul right. I also know one other thing, which is that you're going to be hearing a lot about how many people are out of work, about how the economy is collapsing, about how everything is devastated, about how the economy will never come back. Well, let me remind you of something right now and keep it close to mind in the time to come. What is the economy? The economy is you. The economy is your work, your blood, your sweat, your tears, your pride, your passion in your work, in a job well done. It's all your skills. It's everything that you've done to build the life that you've built up till now. And because you have those skills within you, even if it's all taken away, you can build it again. Because what can't be taken away is all the skills, the know-how, the passion, the drive, the experience, the wisdom, the learning, and most of all, the refusal to give up. Which means the ability to consistently try new things until you get it right. A lot of us sure learned that in the 2008 crash, and this is going to be a whole lot worse. Worst case scenario, well... There's always worse, but worst case scenario is just this. You just get to live like your ancestors did. That's all. Now, those might be your ancestors that went through the Great Depression. Those might be your ancestors that went through the Civil War. Or they might be your ancestors that went through the last Ice Age. But regardless, people have done this before people that you are descended from have faced things like this before. People have done this before and come through it. And if they hadn't, we wouldn't be here. So that knowledge is there. It is ambient within reality to be relearned. And I'm frankly kind of excited about that. I'm excited to be doing things like chopping wood all day long, which is what I spent all day yesterday. So uh, if you're wondering why the podcast hasn't arrived till now, it's because of two reasons. One is I've been getting my thoughts clear on the matter instead of just repeating all the same crap that's in the media or in these emails that you're getting about, oh, we care. Uber cares about you. No, Uber fucking doesn't care about you. All right. Um, I don't want to repeat any of that shit. It's a waste of your time. Uh, however, the other reason is because the Magic.me Ultra Culture team has relocated in the last three weeks to our secret backup bunker somewhere in an undisclosed list location, in a rural location somewhere in the world that will remain permanently undisclosed. And uh, we have been providing for a long-term continuity of the government of humanity, shall we say. If I have to declare myself acting king of America, I will. And if I have to resurrect and reboot the whole of fucking society and, and, and civilization itself with a copy of, you know, just, you know, from the source code copy of what, like a, you know, a King James Bible in one hand, the Federalist Papers in the other, and um, I don't know, complete works of Shakespeare in the other, maybe we could leave that out. Maybe, shit, maybe... We could just start from scratch. I don't know. Um, but if I have to do it, I will. And I'll bring arts and culture and literature to it, too. So it'll be classy. Um, hopefully it won't come to that, because I don't know if you want to live in the world that I made, but it, it might. Regardless, what I want to assure you of is that I'm not going anywhere. Magic.me is not going anywhere. People need magic more than ever. And frankly, it really doesn't change a whole lot for us. The main thing that it does change is that we're way out in a woods uh, somewhere. And for that reason, um, A, I have lots more time.
time. I have lots more quiet, which makes it really easy to do lots more podcasts. Hooray. And uh, because uh, that was very, very hard in a you know one bedroom apartment in Los Angeles, which I bugged the fuck out of as soon as as soon as this started getting uh, a little real, because I just care too much about the people around me to subject them to L.A. riots, too, which, by the way, could be global riots uh, real quick. Um, so uh, and, and so anyways, podcasts were quite difficult to do with that much ambient noise and traffic noise. So now they're easy in a woods. However, the internet sucks, uh, as you might imagine, and satellite internet sucks. And so please, in your prayers, please pray that Elon Musk gets uh, star, his Starlink company going and he gets those Starlink satellites up so that we can get fast Wi-Fi so that I can go back to streaming. But until then, live streams are probably out uh, in terms of video. I did try one on YouTube um, the other day uh, and the audio and the video sucked. So um, unless I can get you know, figure out some MacGyver, you know, MacGyver way to get fast internet. Um, we probably are going to be limited on streaming till then, but that doesn't mean that I can't just record things and then upload them. So, uh, including YouTube's, including podcasts, including courses, there's going to be a lot of that. So here's the roadmap for magic.me. First of all, uh, the skills that I have already been teaching in magic.me are all of the skills you need to survive right now, because they're the skills that you need to get in touch with uh, your core. And being in touch with your core, again, is like being in the eye of the storm. It's like having your balance in martial arts. And most importantly, it allows you to build on an eternal structure that house not made from with hands, human hands, uh, it allows you to build on what is eternal and true and which cannot be budged or phased by the apparent, uh, you know, vicissitudes of Maya or samsara. Um, this lesson, if I have learned anything else, I have learned again and again in my life. No matter how crazy and destroyed things get in my life, magic is always there for me. It never fails and it always works and it's always there. And it's just the great work does not change. In fact, all that the um, the day-to-day -day chaos of the world can really do is distract you from the great work. I mean, you could literally, wherever you're at with your meditation now, I mean, you could literally go through fucking five years of World War III and then you'll go back to the mat and you'll be right back where you started now. Right. It's like, you know, you don't get to carry over in a, in a sense experience from from Mayak and samsaric activities. OK, so people need magic more than ever. I have long observed that when the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, as may very quickly happen here, um, be ready. Uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed, the first thing that happened is there was a massive explosion of interest in religion and spirituality. A big reason for that was because it had been outlawed under communism, um, another uh, negative check against the, hey, let's all go communist uh, plan being bandied about right now. Um, that's about as useful as the, hey, let's all become fascist plan that's also being bandied about right now. <sighs> just follow your will. Okay. Don't fall for these giant fucked up ideologies. Um, but there was a huge explosion of interest in religion and spirituality. And the primary reason I think was because the world was so chaotic and so confusing and so awful in many ways that people needed something to go to, which gave them a sense of meaning of connection of love and which was stable and did not change because when things fall apart, as a great African novelist put it, when things fall apart, all that's left, all that's left is faith, spirituality, and the techniques of getting in touch with what is really true. And you're never, by the way, it's very likely you may never get a better chance than right now to make some serious spiritual pro uh, progress. You got time. You have no expectations on you uh, other than staying alive for the most part. A lot of people are probably out of work. There's at least a modicum of universal basic income coming. And uh, if you've been following me for a while, you know that one of the things I've been saying is that one of the best case scenarios for 
um, the future is that if AI indeed were to put everyone out of work, that um, but everyone got universal basic income, that people could use that to essentially become full-time religious religious uh, practitioners, spiritual practitioners, uh, and that I would lead my I forget what I call that. I think the Yang Bucks Wizard Army is the, the phrase I I uh, used for it. Well, hey, guess what? Here it is. Here it is. You've got all the time in the world and at least basic income for a short period of time and. Uh, you, you might have to be a warrior monk, though, <laughs> like Shaolin style, because shit's going to get fucking buggy. Okay, uh, but hey, you know, you got time to practice that stuff, too. You have time to learn the skills you need to do whatever it is that you need to stay alive yourself, because nobody else is going to do it for you. I hope you learned that in 2008. If you didn't, now's your chance to learn it. Do not expect other people to have your back and do not expect anyone who is not your immediate blood kin not to immediately circle the wagons and refuse to help you because they got too much on their plate, right? Don't get resentful about it when that happens. Just realize people are not going to carry you and you need to learn how to get strong and carry yourself, even if it's the apocalypse. So magic.me teaches all these skills and I will continue to, there's a lot of stuff coming. We will continue to be doing lots of new courses, which specifically orient towards this situation and teach not just the skills of getting your soul right, but also as many practical real world skills as I can pull together. And, you know, me focused on something is, is about the same amount of effort as 30 people. So uh, when I'm at my best and not distracted and I already have so many of these tools. So we're going to be bringing you some the best tools for not just surviving because it's not about survival right now. It's about thriving. And that means doing well and opting out of the fear and panic. It means opting out of the apocalypse. The way that you opt out of the apocalypse is twofold. One, you have faith in what is true and real and right. Two, you orient your, yourself towards the world to come and building a thriving and successful role in the world that will happen when the economy inevitably begins to come back. The way the economy comes back is when you remember that you are the economy and you make your own goddamn income sources. If you keep your head, keep calm and plant the seeds now you will have an oak tree when everyone else is just beginning to think about planning. And that's what you need to have in mind right now. Put your focus on the future world to come, not reacting to the goddamn shit show, right? Because it's going to go on and it's going to get worse, right? But you can't control it and there's nothing you can do about it. And if you put all your focus on things you can't control, you're just going to be panicking all the time. And if you panic all the time or stress or however it is that you manifest stress, you're going to be passing that on to the people around you, putting your primary relationships in jeopardy and making life worse for yourself and the people around you. So be the cool guy or gal or other gender. Everybody be cool. You be cool. Be calm. Be the steady person. That's what's needed right now. Just chill out, man. And think about what you will build in the world to come. We have a, 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 a level playing field right now. A period of maximum chaos, both in the negative and positive sense. The positive sense is with this much chaos, you can plant a seed and literally create anything because it's a blank canvas. It is a blank canvas globally. This has never happened in either our lifetimes or the lifetimes of anybody who didn't uh, currently alive who didn't go through World War II as an adult. So there you have it. Bottom line is lots more podcasts, lots more video, YouTube. There's You're going to be hearing a lot from me. Uh, we will be manning the comms and uh, I will be right there with you. And we'll get through this. And we will build you know, the wizard's world to come. We'll build something incredible, the thing we always wanted to do, right? Now we have a chance to do it. We have a blank canvas. So let's, let's do it, right? Let's exceed what our teachers told us. You know, Genesis Purage, my primary mentor, died um, two weeks ago, leaving me alone. But let's not be too sad because uh, consider civilization wrecked. And um, as they said about Thriving Gristle, and um, I can only be thankful and realize that Jen spent 
the better part of a decade and a half preparing me for this. So I still haven't processed that because of everything that's been going on. But, you know, um, I am very thankful and, and grateful to Jen for everything. And I feel perfectly prepared for this. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is reopen the ADAPT initiative, which was the huge mega course training in magic mysticism and real world results magic that we ran from January to February. There's about 23 hours of recorded content. And if you do all the uh, assignments, which you know begins with about a half hour and extends to an hour of meditation a day, in addition to some um, journaling exercises and things like that, if you do all the um, homework, that course will last you about set the average time for completion is about 70 hours um, so about the same as a netflix binge watch or a, a major video game right so uh but much better time much better spent because the outcome of that course is that you walk away knowing your true will your true purpose and having the skills and the tools to make it real and this is exactly the right time for this i'm kind of really grateful and amazed that I created this so it's ready in time when everyone needs it. It's also full of financial tools to get new income streams and think out of the box of day-to-day -day grind employment and to get money, right? Which you may have an interest in at the moment as well, right? So there has been tremendous, we put about, what, three, 33, uh, 330 students through it and they were troopers they were passionate and uh, there was so much positive feedback. I mean, people were telling me it was the best course they'd ever taken on anything, you know, um, and, and comparable with something from Harvard or only an elite educational institution, which I was very, very proud of. Um, people had amazing real world results, uh, financial results, career results. Many people began new careers. Many people um, somebody was got a contract to work on a major comic book uh, for a major company. Like there were like, these huge professional results that happened from it. Everyone had an amazing, phenomenal time. And people, just like with everything I do, people were saying to me again and again, "How can you charge so little for this? This is inf you know infinitely valuable." And um, when I hear things like that, I know I've 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 done my job well. So that makes me happy. Um, and fulfilled. Uh, it really does. So most of all, I'm glad that I already have all the tools in place that you need right now. And with all this free time, um, you can get through that material very quickly. And on the other end of it, you will know exactly what you need to do, exactly who you are, and have the exact tools you need to get there. And in a world this chaotic, it will be easier <laughs> because no one will stand in your way. Right. You're not it, it, during times like this, you don't have the inertia of everybody else's entrenched systems to butt your head against. Right. There's no more entrenched systems. Right. Everything is fluid like mercury right now. Right. It really is. And in times like that, anything can be manifested. Right. So it's all there. Now, it's going to be a few days before that course is reopened for this reason, which is that it was originally offered as a live course. It is going to be reopened as a uh, recorded and uh, slightly re-edited and, you know, polished course. And I think that's really good in a lot of ways because it will allow you to set your own pace with it. You won't have the pressure of day to, you know, day, uh, day, -to -day meetings uh, to check in with. We were doing it every day at 5 p.m. You can now get into it and just binge watch it on your own time. Again, like it's Netflix or Call of Duty. And, um, and since everyone's schedule is so radically different now, I think that makes a lot more sense. It was originally done... Uh, you know, with the idea that people were working day jobs, um, now things are a little different. So, um, so I think that it's in the ideal format, uh, but there won't be a live component for this. It'll just be, again, there's no live streaming capability here. So it's going to take a few days just to get the, uh, you know, get the screws tightened on properly and get it properly polished up and then it will be released. Uh, the Fortuna working, which is a one week long Mega working, massive, multi-leveled magical ritual for manifesting huge amounts of wealth uh, will also be offered. Uh, people freaking loved that one. I mean, that is a that's 
I'm very proud of that one as well. That it's it's basically a one week working, which a working is a uh, like a stack of magical rituals that you're doing every day, which includes, um, you know, it goes at the the issue of generating wealth from every angle, from taking actions in the world to study to actual magical work, sigil work, to working with God forms, to um, using divination to look for financial generation opportunities, like all this stuff. And it's so that basically all day long becomes one continuous magical ritual specifically for generating massive amounts of material wealth for the purpose, I said, for people so that you would have leeway to uh, do spiritual practice. Now you need it to survive, right? <laughs> so have at it. Um, you, just get the get the money, right? Get the money and 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 get the resources you need, so that you and your loved ones survive and thrive, right? And keep at it so that you're thriving long into the future by keeping your eye on the prize way out ahead. So the Fortuna working will also be offered uh, once it's re reopened in a few days. Uh, it will not be part of the ADAPT initiative. There was a, a brief offer in December uh, bundling them, but they will be offered as separate products now. Once I get those out uh, in, the, in the coming days, then we will begin uh, regular podcast release and we will be begin uh, probably hopefully combining it with YouTube and we will begin regular courses. The second mega course will go into production. Of course, it's going to change now because the world whole world has changed. And so it will probably well, it will be focused on what's happening right now. Right. And using this time that you have to survive, thrive and put yourself in the seat of your true will even in this world, right? Especially in this world. Uh, and to to thrive spiritually and materially because they're not different. Get your soul right, get your money right, survive, thrive, make sure the people you truly care about are taken care of and that they don't drown, right? It's that simple. The great thing about times like this is they're, they're not complicated. It's only when things are good that people get all like anxious and like Tom York mood. Remember that shit in the 90s where people were like, you know, like Radiohead, American Beauty, oh, the suburbs, you know, the wealthy suburbs are so meaningless. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Okay. So that's the plan ahead. And that's what you should be looking for. Uh, oh, P.S. Duncan Trussell's new show comes out April 20th. Some of you know about that. Duncan Trussell has a cartoon coming out on Netflix called The Midnight Gospel. And in addition to many other people, I did a lot of writing on it. And there is an entire episode uh, that's me. It's, it's dedicated to a conversation between me and Duncan. How cool is that? Yeah, it's it's I'm really excited about it. Uh, I haven't talked about it too much because it was under wraps and secret, but it's coming out 420, of course. But yeah, I mean, I got to like hang out. I was like hanging out in a writer's room with Duncan and Weird Al Yankovic and Maria Bamford and Johnny Pemberton and the tons of other awesome people are involved. Dr. Drew and I, I don't know, you know, lots of people um, really exciting. And of course, the whole thing is animated by Pemberton Ward of Adventure Time fame. He's a real genius and, and such a sweetheart. It's like the sweetest guy ever. Um, it's like the friend you wish you had, you know, throughout high school and, and college, right? Like um, really, really sweet guy uh, and a brilliant, brilliant uh, animator. So that's coming out 420 and there will probably be some tie-in stuff with that, but definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, I, Duncan just showed me a, a little snippet of the episode that I'm in and it, it looks, it looks awesome. So Midnight Gospel, keep an eye out for that. And I'll be mentioning that more, um, in more podcasts and hopefully Duncan and I will be talking again very, very shortly. Okay. So, um, that's what we got for now. Hang in there. And let me end on this note, which is that it's going to work out. It really is. Now, just like everyone else, I was fucking freaking out for like two weeks. I'm not going to say I wasn't. I'm not the freaking Buddha. Okay. Like I was, yeah, I, I went full Walter Sobchak. Uh, you know, it was, I was freaking out. However, um, as this has progressed and I have begun to adjust to the new reality and let go of the old one. A lot of the stress for me was caused by the uncertainty 
about whether this was actually real or or not or or not not whether it was real but how much to react to it because we're also used to bullshit news um and things being blown out of proportion that it, uh, there was a lot of stress in like okay well should i react to this should i not but once it became clear that yes uh it was beginning then uh, it got really clear and that really is the beauty of times like these that it's just one foot in front of the other you know what needs to be done it's not confusing so let me end on that it's going to work out as i've settled down i've looked ahead i have a I'm beginning to get a good sense of what the next five maybe ten years uh, look like in in global terms uh, now of course all of that can change at the drop of a hat but i feel like i have a good sense of the threat model and more importantly a good sense of the way out of it and you'll be hearing more about that but suffice to say I think that not only is this a good thing in some ways, although it's very fucking tragic and I am, you know, consistently uh, go through periods of heartbreak uh, uh, at the moment. It is tragic, but there are also very good things about it. The the lessening of the load of on the environment is primary among them. The second thing is that it's giving people time to stop, reflect and get it right, get their soul right, right? And I think that very positive things may come out of this. In fact, I know they will. A strange new world will be born, but the world that will be born, I'm convinced of it will be a more humane one and a one in which people are in closer contact with each other in certain ways rather than socially distanced, which we already were for far too long. And so I end this podcast with you saying that even though I'm in a hidden location, in a hidden bunker somewhere in the world, that I will be there and we will get through this. Okay. If you dug this, please ask your friends to subscribe to the podcast. It is Ultra Culture with Jason Louv on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play or all that good stuff. And the courses are at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot Emmy, including the Adapt Initiative, which is about to reopen in a few days. So keep your eye out so you make sure you get a seat. And everything else is there already. All the courses there are fucking perfect for right now. They really are. They really are. Okay. And there's lots more coming. Okay. Hang in there, everyone. See you soon.